electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramer. If you want to make friends, I'm just trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain you, but to educate and teach you. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. When the market started percolating again today, I said, that's it. Okay, enough. I'm done with it. I'm done. I need to take a stand. I need to take euphoria head on and trash it. After a day where the Dow gained 149 points, S&P advanced 0.58%, NASDAQ climbed 0.84%. It just felt like too much. Once again, too much fraud, too much happiness. I wanted to defrock the biggest percentage winners in the S&P 500. Just assassinate them! Exposing how they didn't deserve to go up anymore. Demonstrate the dangers of endless exuberance. So what I do? I decided to target the top five stocks in the S&P and slam them right here. But you know what? The ones that were the winners today, I never got past the first two. Accenture, the consulting firm in Lenore, the home builder. They're both up 7% today. Their quarters and their conference calls turned out to be terrific primers for what's happening. Primers for what makes it so tough to be bearish and negative right now. Accenture, the amazing worldwide consulting company run by the brilliant Julie Sweet, just crushed the estimates. And they raised their forecast dramatically. Their bookings were up 25%. No one was looking for anything near that. We're in the midst of a horrifying pandemic, worsening job market. But Accenture made so much money they could actually afford to buy back 3.3 million shares for $769 million at what now turns out to be terrific prices, simply because Wall Street wasn't giving its stock enough respect. The company boosted its dividend by 10% for good measure. What's not to like here? And look, Accenture is not a small company. It employs half a million people. It had $12.9 billion in new bookings, much larger than most of the high-flying cloud stocks in the NASDAQ, certainly more than the electric vehicle SPACs or any other SPAC for that matter. They're sitting on $8.6 billion in cash, more than many of these companies will ever make. In here, just ever. Margins were superb. 
Sweet runs a tight ship. And the company's actually benefiting from lower travel spending. It's much cheaper to win new business via Zoom right now. So in the face of it, those are the kinds of numbers you should pay up for. You can't say Accenture's fly-by-night operation. If anything, it's a hidden gem. Now, let's get to how Sweet made all of her money, because it's really important. See, we're in a moment when most businesses are desperate to digitize. They need to bring in a Salesforce or Workday to get on the cloud. Then they need cloud-oriented cybersecurity from Zscaler or Okta. Yeah, on board with ServiceNow. This stuff is hard. Do you know know how to choose among Amazon Web Services or Google Cloud or Microsoft Azure for infrastructure? Most executives do not know anything about this stuff. They know their own business, and that is it. They might like their information technology people, but those people may be wed into a hodgepodge of inefficient legacy systems. These days, that is not good enough. Sure, they could go hat in hand to Mark Benioff at Salesforce and Neil Bushby at work to Andy Jassy at, uh, at Amazon Web Services. But it's generally not smart to spend a fortune on technology when you have no idea what the hell you're doing. So what do they do? They can't just throw their hands up. No, they say, let's bring in some experts. Let's bring in Accenture. If you're Halliburton, one of the largest oil service companies on earth, you call Accenture. Julie Sweet helped them digitize everything, cloud, finance, supply chain, you name it. Halliburton has no choice. As Sweet explained on the conference call, quote, every business is now a technology business and exponential technology change is going to continue. She, she says that, quote, Companies need to accelerate their digital transformation across their enterprises, move to the cloud, address cost pressure, build resilience and security, address their operations and customer engagement to a remote everything environment and changing expectations and find new sources of growth, end quote. In other words, if you're Halliburton, a well-run company that's struggling with a decline in exploration and production spending from its cash-strapped client base, you need to do all these things to keep your head above water. In short, you got to hire Accenture. So as much as I wanted to bash the biggest winner in the S&P 500, I came away from the Accenture conference call saying, wait a second. If anything, the stock's undervalued. Accenture's the best digital transformation play you've never heard of. I think it's a buy. How about Lenar? Number two, giant home builder. Here's a hugely cyclical business that normally rises and falls with the broader economy. At any other time, this stock would be a sell when you see nearly 900,000 new jobless claims. In any recession, the thing you're supposed to do is just get rid of Lenar, short it even. But COVID's changed the playing field, and so has management. The same pandemic putting people out of work also makes us want to buy homes in the suburbs or the country. Lennar homes. Because if you're stuck at home, you might as well have some space. And that's why Lennar is now a cash machine, generating $2 billion for the quarter, $3.8 billion for the year. They've got so much money that they just doubled their dividend. You don't do that when you're apprehensive about the future. Lenar's orders were up 16%. Order value was up 22%. It's $6.3 billion. Their book value, kind of pretty much the land they're sitting on, it's worth $57. That's up from $50 and change last year. That's a big part of their stock valuation. And they paid down $1.2 billion in debt for good measure. Usually these companies have to borrow at this point, at these, uh, in this kind of economic environment. Despite all the hand-wringing about the rising cost of raw materials, what happened? Lenar's gross margins... Uh, they were 25%. They were up 350 basis points year over year. I wish I could say how huge that is, but you got to trust me. What's driving the strength? Stuart Miller, the chairman of the board, lays it all out in the preamble of the call. you got to go to this conference call. He writes, and I quote, the housing market is simply very strong, and demand for homes, new and existing, is greater than limited supply. It has simply never been this easy to sell as many homes as we would like in every market and every price range across the country. Holy cow. I mean, sure, we've got, we, we got high single-digit unemployment. But between low mortgage rates, thank you, Jay Powell, and all the money people are saving from being stuck indoors, no vacations, no movies, no restaurants, there's tremendous demand for housing. All these people leaving the cities for the suburbs have money to throw around. They want nice homes. Now, 
So many bears will look at these two moves, Accenture, Blinar, and others like this, and say it has to be a top. And I'm not talking about some crazy EV stock. Really, just bear with me. I'm talking about big companies. But markets peak when companies are overbuilding to meet demand right as interest rates are rising and wages start collapsing. And that is not happening now. Rates for jumbo loans are almost as low as conforming loans, under 3%, meaning insanely low. Yesterday, Fed Chief Jay Powell said they're going to stay like that until at least 2023. So where's the red flag? Where's the cliche canary, the coal mine you keep hearing all day? I struggle to say the farm one. Remember, we spent a decade building too few homes in the wake of the financial crisis. If anything, we got a housing shortage. Meanwhile, millennials are finally starting families and buying homes, uh, buying homes of their own. Miller says this isn't merely a short-term reaction to COVID, but, and I quote, a hardwired way of life, end quote. In other words, he thinks it's a secular trend, not a cyclical one, and it's gaining ground. I'm with him. And look, even after this move, Lenar's trading at, what, 90 times sales, 100 times sales, 90 times earnings? How about nine times earnings? But what can you call that other than a buy? Double dividend, use order, or something, double, nine times earnings? Here's the bottom line. As much as I wanted to come out here and tamp down the euphoria, I wanted to smash it, crush it like a bug on a windshield. I see these, hor- these horrifying COVID numbers like you do. But when I look at the stocks that are roaring here, I want to buy them hand over fist. What can I say? This is a very difficult time for our country, but it's a very good time for a bull market. Richard in California. Richard. Yeah. Baba Booyah, Jimmy. Baba Booyah, back at you. Merry Christmas, you and your family. Same. What's up? Okay, so tomorrow, the giant, the monster, is going to the S&P 500. They're going to have to sell some stock to get this big baby in there. Are they going to love it? Or they're going to leave it once it's here. I don't know. There's a pretty good piece out by Goldman Sachs. It really kind of minimized the uh, potential impact of it. So I think we're just going to hope that the market comes down so we can get into some good quality stocks. I am a believer in Tesla. Those who don't think so, you can go check the tape. Uh, 13 months ago, I said enough is enough. And we made people a lot of money. Jeff in Illinois. Jeff. Uh, good evening, Jim. What's up? Hey, well, hey I'm a first-time caller. I've been watching your show forever. Just want to thank you for your enthusiasm and excitement oh, and the you. educational value, which is enormous to all of us viewers. Oh, you're terrific. You know, when you get up like I did because it's storm and stuff, say, oh, what am I doing? I'm you know, going to make the donuts, and I got a nice call like this from Jeff, and I feel good. What's up, Jeff? All right, my question is, um, what is your opinion of Lumen Technology? If they are going to be in a joint venture with Zoom Video or a takeover of Lumen, uh, stock symbol L-U-M-N. What would you would you buy it uh, here at this price? Oh boy, no, I haven't liked them. Um, I just haven't, and, and it's been right not to. And I'm not changing my view. And I don't want you to get sucked in there. I really don't. And I appreciate all those nice things, though. Let's go to Bill in Wisconsin. Bill. Hey Jim, a big Green Bay chicken booyah booyah to oh, you. Okay, Packers. To, to play Chiefs in the Super Bowl, and I haven't decided yet who's going to win, but that's already a lot of a prediction. Well, how can I help? Uh, question is, um, I want to know whether I should let the house's money ride with the hog on their new electric uh, bicycles and motorcycles. Thanks for everything you do, Jim. Uh, you're terrific. Um, you know what? They have a couple good quarters ahead. Uh, they've actually got new – I like this guy who's running it. You should, when I listened to that guy on a conference call, I was like, wow, hey, this guy – 
Geez, he's determined to make a lot of money, not just make a lot of motorcycles. And he's gotten rid of a lot of the styles. They have way too many styles. He is a money maker, so I like it. Look, as many as I want to tamp down, I want to smash the euphoria. I hate it. I'm sick of it. I know there's so much crazy, but listen, I couldn't do it. I picked the two highest stocks in the market, and they both deserve to go higher. Oh, man, money tonight. U.S. housing starts rose for a third straight month in November. Lenar, what could it mean for a company like At Home Furniture? I'm talking to the CEO. Then how is Bank of America working to solve inequities in the financial sector? I'm finding out about the latest initiatives when I sit down with CEO Brian Moynihan and a company that's at the intersection of two of the hottest areas in the market, healthcare and cloud computing. Is it time to consider a long-term winner? FIBA. I've got the exclusive. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreated in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash madmoney. Just go to Indeed.com slash madmoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash madmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. As we head into a new year, where we'll hopefully spend much less time inside, 
What do we do with the home-related retailers that have made 2020 so much more bearable? Take at home the home decor chain with a stock that's had an incredible run from $1.20 at the March lows to $16 and change today. This company's been making a fortune thanks to the stay-at-home economy. If you're stuck in one place all the time, might as well make it a nice place, right? But in the last few months, at-home stock has struggled to get traction, even as the company's reported a better-than-expected quarter a couple weeks ago. Some of that's because management eh, won't really give you a great forward guidance. They can't really. But then again, I mean, who can? Right? And the atmosphere is so unpredictable. On the one hand, when I see numbers like the blowout housing starts we got this morning, it makes me want to buy at home, especially since the stock trades is just over 10 times next year's earnings. On the other hand, the company just reported 44% same-store sales growth, and the stock did nothing. I mean, what are we going to do here? Hey, that's why we got to have Lee Bird back on. He's the chairman and CEO of At Home Group. Get a better read on his company's prospects. Mr. Bird, welcome back to Mad Money. Thanks, Jim. Thanks for having me. Okay, so Lee, I've got a problem here. We have a company, Wayfair, all right? And then on brick and mortar, uh, they can print any number they want. They can sell whatever they want. There is no price that people won't pay. It's the way I look at a stock like Wayfair. $28 billion. Hey, there isn't a price. It's like, fine, I don't care. On the other hand, we've got a very solid company with amazing gains that lowered its debt, that has put incredible same-store sales, and can, well, I don't know, Big 10 times the number of stores it needs in the biggest state in the country, California. So you explain this difference to me because I can't. Well, all I can tell you is we're having a record year. We're having record sales, record profitability, record free cash flow. We've paid down our debt, as, as you mentioned, and we've got great momentum all the way through the fourth quarter. We feel like that's going to continue to next year. But is it right to just say, you know what we're going to do? We're going to keep plugging, and eventually the market's going to figure it out. So, like, why do we have to do anything? We just keep doing our thing. Or do you have to make a statement? Do you have to do a big dividend? Do you have to, I don't know, do a buyback because you just your cash is spewing? Because I think I looked at those last numbers, Lee, and I said, if this doesn't make the stock go to the 30, I don't know what will. Well, we're just going to keep doing what we're doing. We're having record results, as I mentioned. We're taking serious share. We're growing three to four times the industry average, for sure. We are throwing off a lot of cash, but we've, we've got a lot of growth in front of us. We've got 219 stores, which the stores are the center of our universe. Right. They're the hub of all operations, and we can go to 600 stores. So there's a lot of growth in front of us, and we believe over time the market takes care of itself in terms of stock price. Okay, 8.3 million people who are part of your affinity group grows pretty radically that could be something that I've not seen a furniture store ever have. Yeah, we grew uh, over 42% in terms of our loyalty membership just last quarter alone over last year. 2.3 million members additionally versus last year. Those are primarily new customers, obviously. Our customer growth has been the majority of our growth overall. We're not just a pandemic learner. We're, the, uh, we're taking serious share, and these new customers are coming in and spending more. And actually, they have a higher customer satisfaction and a higher intent to repurchase than our existing customers. And you're seeing people put money into their homes because they can't go anywhere, correct? Correct, correct. And, and it's also, we've become a great place to shop. I mean, you know, obviously during a pandemic, people are concerned about how they shop and where they shop. And so we've got great stores that are large and wide, wide aisles and uh, one-way aisles as well. And, and so people can social distance there. But we also added Omnichannel this year that allowed people to buy online, pick up in store, curbside pickup, or next day local delivery. Okay, so I said the same thing to my wife, Lisa, last night. She says, okay, let me go see what they have for fire pits. The Gramercy, out of stock. The Ashton, out of stock. The Stone Look, out of stock. The Round Brick, out of stock. I mean, this is where the money's being made. How do you change that? Well, business has been on fire, Jim. I'm sorry about that. Uh, obviously, I want to make sure that we have everything you're looking for. But when you have 40 
2% comp store sales in Q2 and 44% same store sales in Q3. And inventory continues to be brought back in. And actually, the past 12 weeks, we brought more inventory in than we've sold. We're getting back in position. But there's an opportunity when you're chasing inventory like this to just, you're trying to get as much sales as possible in as, as you can. But uh, business has never been this strong before. A year ago, I would have been talking mostly about tariffs. I would have said as they go up, I have to believe that you, unless you can get from Malaysia, Singapore, whatever, uh, you're going to be in trouble. I now look at We have a new president coming in. I do not think this is what he's focused on because I don't know how many furniture jobs were actually created by the tariffs. Did you see lots of, uh, of new jobs in Thomasville? Did you see High Point? Did that happen? No, I continue to see opportunities across the world in terms of global sourcing to help us. Uh, the U.S. is a tough place to do business in terms of our category. We find better uh, pricing, unfortunately, in other countries. Uh, we do about 60% of our product is imported. Uh, but we actually are looking at a lot of other countries, too. So India, Vietnam, the Philippines, Thailand, Cambodia have been great sources, as well as China, obviously. Uh, let me just ask one last question. Do you ever go to one of your board meetings and say, you know what we ought to do? We ought to shuttle our stores, sell furniture, and get a $28 billion valuation? No, the stores are just fantastic. I would tell you, people like to shop in stores. People like to use the store as a place where they can not only buy, but maybe curbside pickup. But think about when you buy something online and you don't like it and need to return it. It's a real hassle. Well, you can take it back to our stores. It's hassle-free return. So we believe brick and mortar will continue to be part of the equation, but it's also for us the most efficient operating model out there. All right. I, I, look, I, you came home when the stock was a fraction of what it is now, and you said you were going to do things, and you did every single one of them. So I'm banking with you, Lee Bird, Chairman and CEO of At Home, HOME. Great to see you again, sir. Thanks, Jim. Take care. Look, this, this, story, this, this, this stock has had a miraculous run. Maybe that's what's keeping it down. Not that it's sold off on those last numbers. And by the way, brick and mortar is not such a bad thing, is it? Mad Money's back here for break. Coming up. In times of crisis, community banking is more important than ever. Find out what Bank of America is doing to help get capital to those who need it most. But it all comes back to basically delivering for our shareholders and delivering for society. Mad Money will be right back. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Over the summer after the tragic killing of George Floyd, lots of companies started talking about the importance of racial justice. But not many of them did anything tangible. But Bank of America actually put money to work. On June 22nd, on June 2nd, they announced a $1 B 
billion dollar commitment to help underprivileged communities. And in the last six months, they started putting that cash to work. We're talking job initiatives in black and Hispanic communities, outreach programs, and direct investments in minority-owned businesses. Then in October, because they knew there was more heavy lifting to be done, Bank of America took equity stakes in 10 community development financial institutions, CDFIs they call them, outfits that provide financial services to people and businesses that mainstream banks rarely do business with. You know what? I think it's important to give companies credit when they do something good around here. So let's take a closer look with Brian Moynihan. He's the chairman and CEO of Bank of America. And Darren Williams, who's the CEO of Southern Bank Corp, which is one of those community development institutions that Bank of America just invested in. He's going to be joining us in a couple minutes as well. Brian, first of all, thank you for helping out at a time when I think a lot of people realize that there's so many who are unfortunate. Uh, Why don't you tell us a little bit about what the bank is committed to doing and why? Well, Jim, thank you for having me. It's a snow day up here, so I'm dressed a little casually. But uh, what we decided, we took a look at economic mobility, and we've been looking at that in our 90-plus markets we serve in the U.S. for uh, for over a year. And then you had the killings of George Floyd uh, and, and, and the aftermath of that and the social and racial unrest. It brought to the surface a lot of issues. And as you said in introduction, we decided to put our money where our mouth is. So we were going to do a program of such size, and we doubled it, and we said, let's get the money to work, to help really along four dimensions, health, jobs, upskilling, reskilling, uh, working with schools and community colleges, uh, small business entrepreneurship, and housing. And we have then started doing it. So one of the parts of that was to invest in, to increase our investment in CDFIs, which is sort of lending to them. That's a billion seven. But then we said well, they need equity, both CDFIs, which you mentioned, community development financial institutions, and MDIs, minority depository institutions, owned that way. And we started putting equity in the MDIs also. And so now we completed 10 of those. Actually, we've completed 12 now, and we'll keep working on all 140-odd of them there are to see if they need equity to grow. And it's all about creating wealth in the communities, providing direct equity, not only in the institutions that do financial work, but also $200 million to go into other companies that we're moving through and getting out in the public, uh, helping schools, 21 college grants and HBCU and community college grants, and then housing and $15 million masks given to community uh, uh, health care centers and stuff to help their communities stay safe during this pandemic. Right. I'd say 10, 15 years ago, this would not be the province of a bank. This is a unique passion of yours. You're a leader of, in these issues. Other people who listen say, I've got to be more like Brian. How did you get passionate when we expect so much dollars and cents simply from bankers? Well, we have to serve both society make money for our shareholders and society, what people call stakeholder capitalism. So we think about our company along four dimensions. We've got to drive response growth. We've got to be there for our customers. We've got to be there for our shareholders. We've got to be there for our employees. And in this pandemic, that was a we did a lot of great work there, and we've got to be there for society. That's what we've been running a company at for a long time, and this is a part of that. Now, there are unique issues around uh, the issues that come up with racial and social justice in the United States, economic mobility, wealth creation and wealth gaps. Those are 
those are specific issues. So this billion-dollar program is above and beyond all the other work we do in loan, moderate income lending, and small business lending, $28 billion in small business loans out there. This is a special program to really focus in on help creating wealth in these communities and providing greater economic mobility and activity. But it all comes back to basically delivering for our shareholders and delivering for society. All right, well, I'm going to bring in uh, one of the people, one of the institutions that Bank of America has helped. I want to bring in Darren Williams. He's the CEO of Southern Bank Corp. Darren, I think a lot of people say things are for show, but from what I hear about what Brian and Bank of America are doing, this is real jobs that are creating, real dinner on the table. Tell us about what it means. Jim, you're exactly right. First of all, thanks for having us, and, and really thank you for highlighting uh, what Bank of America is doing, what Brian is doing. He is the real deal. This, this equity that's been being placed into Southern Bank Corp, it's allowing us to grow to expand our footprint into more underserved communities where we use our unique brand of banking to really touch those who are often not touched by other banks, uh, to help them build wealth and increase our economic mobility. So why don't you give me, maybe have a couple examples of companies that are really good, and if they were in another neighborhood, perhaps everyone would be fighting to lend them, but because you're in the community and now you've got the money and the deposit base, you can make them grow and be big companies. No, exactly, Jim. So I'll give you a couple of examples. One, uh, one company is Hoffinger Industries, located in Phillips County, Arkansas, one of the most underserved, one of the most, uh, one of the poorest counties in America. Um, Hoffinger Industries, they, they make Doughboy Pools, which is one of the largest uh, and most popular above-ground pool manufacturers in the country. Uh, when the, the, the owner of that um, company died, uh, the company was about to be sold overseas, uh, and those jobs would have left uh, that market. And, and Phillips County only has about 12,000 people in the county. And again, that's about 110 jobs. We work with the management to do a management-led buyout so the managers of that organization could buy the organization and keep those jobs right there in Phillips County, which was desperately important uh, for the economic well-being for that community. And there are countless examples of both businesses and individuals. You know, I can think of um, uh, Miss Vernita Jackson. Uh, she lives also in that same town. She's a 60-plus-year-old grandmother. Uh, she was a first-time home buyer uh, after spending several years going through community, going through uh, financial education and home buyer counseling with Southern. She was able to buy her first home. Now she's got an asset that can be carried down through her family and help build that family's uh, economic mobility and build their wealth. How did you connect with Brian? Well, Brian connected with us. You know, so so it's really what what Bank of America is doing is is catalytic for us. Uh, we're so so excited to have this partnership and hope that it will it will uh, it will uh, allow us to partner with other folks. But they but Bank of America reached out to us and said we want to help. We heard about the work that you do and we want to invest uh, in your bank, take an equity stake, become a real true partner uh, with us. And that is again that's catalytic. It's going to allow us to grow and expand our footprint. All right. So, uh, Brian, what you've done with Darren's institution is something that I wish the government would do, frankly. But let's talk about the government for a second. The government wants to give uh, a little bit of money to everybody. Wouldn't it be better, Brian, to give a lot of money to the people who need it, like some of uh, Darren's customers and not my kids? Well, I, I think, frankly, Darren's done a great job and we've been uh, in the White House on a PPP program and stuff, and his institution's done a great job. And that caught my eye, frankly, and he may not know that, but it, it caught my eye. So when we started this program, I said, find this company and figure out what they do. Wow. We've had a long relationship to him. Uh, a fellow named Dan Latender has worked with him for years because he's a CDFI in a technical form, and then our Donnie Cook, our market president, knows him. So there's relationships go back, but 
this was more about his business plan, his capabilities, what he can do for his customers and us putting equity in. I'm not sure the government taking equity stakes is the right answer. I think there's enough money in private industry. Capitalism can solve it. There's a lot of capital out there, and there are a lot of other institutions that are looking to do this. And, and my point to them, back to your point, is get going. Get the money out there. Call Darren up and see what he needs. Does he need, uh, does he need preferred stock, common stock? But help him grow, and there are many like him, so that they can provide services in places that may not be as easy for other companies. And so I, I think that a business roundtables uh, put together some principles and their, their memberships moving on this, and I think there will be lots of private ec- uh, capital. I think the government needs to solve the problems of the pandemic, and that's hopefully why the stimulus gets done and, and we get that done. And that keeps propelling us forward. But I think right now there's a lot of private capital that wants to help solve this long-term problem in America, and it should come to fore. And and I think Darren uh, is a classic case of a person who will use that investment and do good things. Well, Darren, I want to wish you, uh, of course, your family, good holidays. And I want to wish Southern Bank Corp to be able to make all the loans, the good loans that people really need in this country. Thank you. Brian, I can't resist. I've got to ask you one question about business. December, apparently, spending's good. Uh, which is, uh, I think, a terrific uh, arbiter for next year. Yeah, I, I think, Jim, I just checked it again because I figured you might ask me about that. But the consumer spending for the month of December to date is up 10 percent over last year's December through the first 13, 15 days. And that's very good. And that means some of the November shift in December. So you saw recent retail sales because of the dynamics around Thanksgiving with the COVID crisis. We need to get this stimulus passed so that we can help build that bridge for that part of the economy that can't be open, that can't be in business, to get it set so it can get there. Now that we have this vaccine, you can see the light in the tunnel. We just have to provide a bridge for companies and individuals to get there. But meanwhile, the people who are employed and have the money are spending, and that's good news for the economy. So we, we feel that the fourth quarter is setting up to be a little stronger than people thought, and we think next year will be plus 4% GDP growth in the United States, which continues that recovery. Well, that would make it so more people can enjoy uh, the good fruits of this country, and that's what we need. Brian, you've taught a lot of people exactly that that is what we need. I want to thank Darren Williams, and I want to thank Brian Moynihan for doing everything they can for thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of people in this country who need help. And it's good business to help people who need help. Thank you both, gentlemen. Thank you, Jim. Man, money's back in for the break. Right now, Wall Street's worried about what happens to the high-flying cloud stocks when enough people get vaccinated and go back to the office. That's why they struggle to get traction even when they report great numbers. Take Viva Systems, the software company that describes itself as the industry cloud for life sciences. Their platform helps drug companies capture clinical trial data, follow regulations, make sales. And this has been a fabulous stock, up 90% since we last saw the CEO in March. At the beginning of the month, Viva reported a substantial top and bottom line beat, excellent guidance. Yet the stock fell 4% on the news. Since then, it's continued to drift lower until a nice gain today, like in many of the cloud stocks. I think digitization is the future. But what happens when we beat COVID and Wall Street loses interest in the life sciences industry, if they will? Let's dig deeper with Peter Gastner. He's the founder and CEO of Viva Systems. And I'm more about his company's doing where it's headed. Mr. Gastner, welcome back to Mad Money. Thanks, Jim. Thanks for having me back. All right. So, Peter, I can't resist. We know that you talk about how Viva is accelerating the industry shift to digital, that it is leading uh, critical life sciences. And then I see when you select Viva customers. Well, lo and behold, I've got Moderna. I've got Pfizer, Glaxo. Tell me what you're doing to speed up the end of this pandemic. 
Oh, yeah, Jim. We're, uh, we're broadly, we make cloud software, and that helps these life sciences companies both develop the medicines and bring these medicines to the patients that need them. Now, particularly in the, in, as it relates to vaccines, we have over 30 applications, and what they do is uh, help them manufacture these drugs, get these drugs through the clinical development, send them to the regulators, and um, you know, get them out to the patients that need them. So it's really the full spectrum, and uh, we're really proud to contribute. All right, so before Viva, how much was done by hand and paper, uh, particularly in doing 30,000-person drug trials, versus now with Viva? Well, you know, I would say, Jim, we've digitized a lot of things in the commercialization and the clinical development, but actually running these clinical trials, we're still early in that. A lot of this stuff is still done on paper. We're just getting started. But, Jim, you talk to me two or three years from now, we'll probably eliminate half of that paper. How about that? All right. Well, that's good because two or three years from now, I like because there's a lot of people who feel that once we've beaten COVID, anything life sciences is going to go down. That is certainly not what I believe. It's not what you believe. No, this is a big industry, Jim. It's a $2 trillion industry, you know. This is a big industry, and it's critical for human health and human human happiness. It's really important stuff, right? We're right. we're extending life. We're making life better for people. So no, it's uh, it's gonna. It was here long before COVID, and it will be here long after. Okay, uh, I have seen a more worry about uh, state-sponsored cyber uh, threats than I've seen. I've literally during the whole presidency of President Trump. I have to believe the Russians are trying to get into, or the Chinese are trying to get into every single one of these medications to call them their own without doing any work whatsoever, profiteering, uh, pirating. What can Viva do to stop it? Well, we have to be vigilant, you know, about anybody who, who wants to get into our customer systems. So we have a cybersecurity department and we take it really seriously. The main thing, Jim, is we, we have to assume that everybody's trying to get in all the time and keep them out. So that's nothing new. And, uh, boy, we take that very seriously. All right. So when I look at some uh, of the companies, I know that some of these companies are shrinking their sales force. Is that, uh, does that impact your bottom line? It's true, right? Um, they may. It depends on the type of company. But going forward, we believe there will be some shrinkages, maybe in the neighborhood of 10% or so of these sales forces because they're becoming more digital, becoming more efficient. And that's actually a really good thing for Viva because as a technology and data provider, we're providing them a lot of the tools that, that they're using to drive efficiency. So when they use more of our technology, yes, they'll, you know, their sales force might go down in size a little bit, but overall, it's a very good thing for Viva when our customers and, become more. And how does Viva work and how the doctors work, actually, in an era where we don't want to go outside our ecosystem, let alone go to the doctor? I mean, how does that impact Viva? Well, you know, you see it in the doctors and patients first, right? The, the really strong rise in telemedicine. Mm -hmm. Well, the same thing is going on with our customers. Life sciences companies, they're doing remote meetings with the doctors, and we have specialized uh, software to enable them to do that in a compliant way. For example, sign for a drug sample right over the Internet without having to be there. Okay, so, Peter, we have a new president coming in. We've got some legislative changes. I have to believe that the new president is going to be a little more restrictive, more regulatory oriented than the one who's going out. How does that impact Viva? Uh, we're looking forward to always, you know, partnering with all the administrations around the world, Biden administration for sure. Everybody wants better health care, Jim, better and more efficient health care. And, and we're providing the technology to do that. So I'm very optimistic. Can you make it so that's less expensive for the people we know are hurting in this country? 
Absolutely. We, we, you know, by digitizing, by making things more efficient, you know, that's the best thing Viva can do. Make, make the overall value prop better. And, uh, you know, then we have to trust the administration and others to, to divide things appropriately. All right. Terrific. Peter, once again, congratulations. A big move since we saw you last. Peter Gassner, CEO of Viva, B-E-E-V. Thank you so much. Thanks, man, Jim. B-E-E-V-E-E-V. Man, buddy's back here to the break. It is time! It's up the And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Ski Daddy, it's up the light round 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 Scott in Rhode Island. Scott! Hey, booyah, Jim. Booyah. Enough the Spurs. My stock is uh, Kratos Defense, KTOS. When we recommended this stock at nine, many short sellers told me we didn't know what we were talking about. This is a very, very good defense contractor. Oh, and lo and behold, look at that. It's a 25, and I'm sticking with it. Let's go to Brian in Maryland. Brian. Booyah, Jim. How you doing? Oh, it's an excellent day. I started at home. I did my show, my morning show from home. What's up to like? How are you? I watch all the time. I just want to tell you, I'm a 20-year Army veteran, and I want to thank you for what you do for all service members and the families. You're a well, great American. I appreciate we that. We thank you. We thank you for everything. And again and again and again. Let's go to work. Yes, sir. Um, you talked highly about McKesson MCK in the past. Wanted to know where you stand now with all these. I think they're doing uh, great. They're, they're actually the linchpin of, uh, of getting us the vaccines, and I think they're doing a very good job. I like that stock for more than just the vaccine. I think if that sucks, time has come. I need to go to Michael in my home state of Pennsylvania. Michael. Hey, I, I tripled my uh, investment on 30,000 shares on safe uh, airlines. Is it time to pull out? Is it time to pull out of the airlines? Uh, no, no. I think that when you get the vaccine, people are going to travel again. Uh, I do uh, like uh, some more than others, and my favorite is Southwest, L-U-V. And then United for when we start going overseas. Jason in Texas. Jason. Hey, Jim. I'm looking at office uh, furniture companies, and specifically KBAL. The stock has been fairly flat since the uh, March lows, ranging between 10 and $12. It was uh, trading at $20 before the epidemic and has a P.E. ratio of 13. Well, I got to tell you, Herman Miller was a big disappointment today, um, and, and that was a bit of a surprise. Uh, so I'm going to have to say, I think you're barking up the wrong tree there. I, I don't want to be in, in that group. I, 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 I don't mind. Uh, in fact, I don't mind at home. Let's go to Sandy in Maryland. Sandy. Booyah, Jim. Booyah. I'm calling about Cisco Systems. Hold or sell? No, no, it's fine. I mean, I, I, I keep waiting for the earnings break out there, but the last quarter was very good, and the dividend's very good, and they got a lot of cash, and they're reinventing the company, so I'm fine with it. Let's go to Tim in New York. Tim. Hey, Jim. Tim from Brooklyn. Can I get a booyah? Right, absolutely booyah. We're big Brooklyn fans. We want to get our restaurants open again soon. What's going on? Hey, this, uh, I built a, a share, a stake in uh, this small company back in March, and it's been on fire. I wanted to get your thoughts on Site One Landscape Supply. Well, look, I mean, I like Tractor Supply. Site One Landscape Supply is fine with me too. And by the way, can I reiterate that Lowe's and Home Depot are really inexpensive, even though they've run a lot? Let's go to Jared in Ohio. Jared. Hello. Hi, Jared. The pandemic. The pandemic has serious consequences. 
and mental health is on a rise. On track, ticker symbol OTRK is the largest AI-powered mental health company addressing the issue. They are growing at a rapid 150% year-over-year and have signed some big contracts. Buy, sell, or hold. Well, I don't, yeah, candidly, I don't know their particular, you, you lost me about their particular business. I happen to agree that, boy, talk about a, a, a need. It's incredible. It just a, the psych, psychiatric help that Teladoc gives is amazing how much people want to be there. So I am not familiar, though, with the company you just mentioned. I need to go to Amit, um, New Jersey. Amit. Amit. Hi, Jim. How are you? I am good. How about you? All right. I uh, wanted to find out, uh, what is your take on DocuSign? Uh, I, I think it's DocuSign. I mean, I've liked it for so long, and I feel like maybe I'm pressing my dad on it, but I think it's having, it, it, it's revolutionizing the way we buy everything. No paper, no nothing. Just check, check, check. I mean, it's the greatest thing in the world. I bought like a house by mistake. I'm not really, but I love it. Let's go to Mark in Florida. Mark. Hi, Jim. I hope you're doing well. Oh, say that with you, Mark. I'm just peachy. Uh, I've noticed a number of the companies involved in the delivery of the COVID vaccine have not been doing well lately. My question is about CVS, which is trading at a P.E. 56% of the industry average and has received positive reviews from a number of analysts. Yeah, it's driving me crazy, Frank. Just driving me crazy. I am with you. My Chapel Trust owns it. Went up to 73. Quarter was okay. The Amarillo's doing a great job. Enough is enough. Let's just go buy it. 3% yield. Going to be generating a lot of cash next year. I say buy it. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. people do when it's all clear to travel again? Will they go on vacation? Or is that just wishful thinking on the part of a struggling service industry that desperately needs Americans to go back to spending money on travel and leisure? The travel thesis is what's been driving a huge number of big moves here. I'm not talking about the SPAC moves or the crazy ones, EV moves. I'm talking about moves in Marriott, moves in Disney. But the most important piece of the puzzle is air travel. Think the airlines and the companies that make what they need if the world goes back to normal. Think Boeing. In the end, it all comes down to optimism versus pessimism. Will we still be too scared, too traumatized to travel, or will we be vaccinated and ready to roll? Right now, the stock market is screaming that it's going to be the latter. We heard the same thing from David Calhoun, the CEO of Boeing, on last night's show. I thought he was very convincing. Or am I simply drinking the Kool-Aid on this one? Well, hear me out in a second. I want to interpret the action in the market to at least try to verify my more radically optimistic view, even if you think it's more like a fairy tale from the Magic Kingdom. I expect a travel boom. After nearly a year of being cooped up, the pandemic's making us stir crazy. We're like a coiled spring. Once it's safe to fly again, you might see a record level of enthusiasm for travel. I wouldn't be surprised if it causes people to say, hey, I'm missing out on life. And now, well, now I got a second chance to actually go somewhere. After the Spanish flu pandemic a century ago, you know, we got the roaring 20s. I bet that happens again, but with a better denouement, of course. Whether we're taking cruises, flights to exotic places, or something entirely different, just a change of scenery, it's going to happen. Remember, the federal government's about to send everyone another check. 
maybe 600 bucks this time. Uh, and f- for a lot of people, that's extra disposable income. I want you to think of it as a once-in-a-lifetime travel voucher. Once enough of us are vaccinated, that will give a lifeline to the airlines. And when the airlines have strong demand, what do they do? They buy more planes, which brings us to both. If they're going to go back to any semblance of normalcy, they need a lot of orders. Hey, not just a little 737s, but even wide bodies, too. I'm betting that happens because COVID has created a weird dynamic for people who still have decent jobs, meaning they're not living paycheck to paycheck. And I know I feel bad for the latter, but there are plenty of people with decent jobs in this country. This has been the greatest money saving opportunity we've ever had. For nearly a year, you haven't been able to spend much on services. If you budgeted for a vacation, you're still sitting on that money. I keep thinking of what we heard from Rich Glant. He's that brilliant CFO of Costco on his latest conference call. Consumers have tons of discretionary cash because they haven't gone anywhere this year. Some of that money has been spent on repair and renovation. Some of it's been spent on gadgets, but it could very well switch back to travel. And that's why Carnival stock has tripled. And that's why American Airlines could sell 38 and a half million shares a little over a month ago at 13. And rather than swapping the market, that secondary has been gobbled up like biotech deal with the stock surging to nearly $17 now. So you can bet on a Disney with Disneyland reopening. It makes sense to me. You can bet on a Comcast, the parent company of this network, because they own Universal Studios. Any of the airlines should work. I'm partial to Southwest because it's so well run. But the best bet, Boeing. After the company took the prospect of a giant equity offering off the table just last night on this show, you have to believe its stock can go higher still, even as it's already had a major move off the bottom. If there's a boom in travel, then you're looking at a lot more upside. David Calhoun, the new CEO, he's a realist. This is the guy who warned the media that without more federal help, some of the airlines may not even make it to the promised land. I, I just described him. I, I, I got to tell you, I'm with him. I'm with him, okay? I, you know what I think you should do? I think you should buy the stock of Boeing. I want you to put it away, though. Nothing instant. There was some guy on Twitter saying, Jim, I'm down big on Boeing. Will you give me a break? Chill out! Okay. Um, look, if, after 9-11, people gave up on this industry, and it was wrong. That's what this is like. We still need to get through the last leg of this pandemic. But once enough of us are vaccinated in a few months, air travel is going to make a huge comeback. And you need to own this thing before that happens. Wait too long, and I'm going to promise you something. You will miss the whole move. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere. And I promise you I'll find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. The news with Shepard Smith starts now. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. 